Welcome to Hustle and Pro Season 2, talking sports in Frisco from youth to pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome to Hustle and Pro. It took us well over a year and more than 50 episodes to get a skateboarder on here, but today is the day. John Davidson, welcome to Hustle and Pro. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn your story. Like I said, skateboarding, this is our first skateboarding episode. So you're going to teach us some things today and dive into your story. But first, a couple quick hits. Can you tell me who is your favorite athlete, either favorite athlete in your sport or just kind of overall favorite athlete? Yeah, I, I think I would say in skateboarding, Nigel Houston, just because uh, he's the best in the world. Um, he He's the best in the streets as well as competitions. Skateboarders know the the big difference between that. I just I love uh, I love athletes that dominate the competition. I'm not an underdog guy. I'm an overdog guy. Um, I just love to watch the best just destroy everybody else. So I was a big Michael Jordan fan. Um, I had an opportunity actually when I was ten years old to play basketball with Michael Jordan. No way. Yeah, um, it was at a camp in Fresno, California. And I can't remember the name of the guy who ran it, but uh, he was, I remember seeing a documentary on Michael Jordan later, and he was one of his teammates that was a mm. very close friend. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a Scottie Pippen level or somebody you would really know, but for some reason they were very close friends, and so Michael would come out to Fresno, California of all places. Yeah, that's, that's weird. And got all the kids got to play with him. So I loved his dominance. I l- loved watching LeBron dominate. Um Barry Sanders was my favorite football player growing up, and I grew up as a 49er fan in California, uh-huh. and uh, my brother convinced me, I think I was 10 years old, that I had to like the Lions as my favorite team because hmm. Barry Sanders was my favorite player, mm-hmm. and it completely destroyed my fandom because <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to be a Lions fan. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd go with those three, uh, Nijah, Jordan, and Barry Sanders with LeBron as a a recent interest. Okay, that's a good variety there. Yeah. What's your favorite sports movie? Oh, man, that's a good one. I mean, are there skateboarding movies? There There's are... no good skateboarding okay. movies. Yeah, like, eh. <laughs> there are skateboarding movies. There's none you'd ever want to watch. Um, it's, it's a tough thing to translate. It's such a pure space that when you try to act it, in fact, Rob Dyrdek, uh, who's probably the most successful skateboarder from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, he produced a, a, a movie called Street Dreams, and he had real pro skateboarders, Paul Rodriguez, Ryan Checkler. They had a real screenwriter who wrote it, and it was still little, yeah. little weird. Street Dreams? Yeah. Okay. Now, um, documentaries, there's probably some fantastic documentaries about skateboarding, I would assume. Yeah, I've I seen ex- some about surfing and other similar type of sports that can probably translate when you get to to, um, what do you call, when you get to do the voiceover and, you know, uh-huh. explain it and really dive in that way. Actually, um, that's a great point. Um, a documentary that I helped to produce just premiered on Tony Hawk Pro Skater. It's called uh, Pretending I'm Superman. Okay. And it's on um, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game. So I guess I should say that's my favorite one. It actually, it premiered at the Mammoth Film Festival. It won two awards. Oh, wow. Uh, I The awards were... Best documentary and best action sports film at the at the film festival. Wow. Okay, we'll link to it in the in the show notes so people can find it easier. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. but but what about you know mainstream sports movie? Are you like you know? What pops in my head? I I think I'm I'm not a huge sports movie guy, but what pops in my head is Remember the Titans. Uh-huh. 
Um, I'm a big Denzel Washington fan, okay. so that's a that's a good one. I think Field of Dreams is yes. kind of automatic. You're reading my mind. That's one of mine. Yeah, I'm trying. So we'll go with definitely yeah. on my list. Okay, so now we've obviously talked that you're a skateboarder, and we'll talk about that. But what did sports overall look like for you as a kid growing up? Yeah, I was super into sports. In fact, skateboarding was just another sport to me at first. Um, I was, you know, I've been pretty athletic my whole life. Uh, yeah, I was, I was really into sports. I played every sport. My parents put me in the, the youth leagues mm-hmm. in a small town in Central California called Breedley, California. I played baseball, basketball. I played football my freshman year of high school. Um, let's see, I did long distance running. Uh, we had these, what's called a jogathon. I don't. Do you know what a jogathon is for like elementary kids to raise money? For yeah, sports? I mean we have walkathons and yeah, running kind of things where you're doing a certain amount of laps. Maybe you're if you're raising money, you might be donating per lap or something. When yeah. I was a kid, I did a cartwheelathon because I was a gymnast. Whoa! So we had to do cartwheels. <laughs> How long was how I long does even, a cartwheel so go? Little, go ten seconds? Yeah, I know. Mean, we just when you're a gymnast and that's your life, like you can cartwheel all day, man. You wow. can keep going. Yeah. So anyway, you did and a so, jogathon. Yeah. So I actually I I won every jogathon from kindergarten to sixth grade, kind of randomly. My in fact in kindergarten, they almost gave me second place because I lapped the other kid. <gasps> oh, they miscounted you. So they miscounted, and then um, my mom was a teacher at that school in fifth grade. And when I was in kindergarten and her kids, they were about to give me second place. And her kids came to her and they're like, hey, John won. And the principal had also seen that I had uh, gone a full lap. Uh, I was just beyond the other kid. So that's kind of funny. But um, <laughs> let's say I played soccer. I refereed soccer as well. Um, I played varsity tennis. Um, our, In fact, we won a, a county championship wow. at my school. Uh, what else? So yeah, I, a lot of things. I used to win these free throw competitions. Okay. Um, a little bit of everything. What sport yeah. do you think gave you the best skills to make you a good skateboarder? Or is it a little mm, bit of everything? I don't think I don't think there's any comparison to be honest with you. The the funny thing about it is I think skateboarding is more you're born with it, you have it or you don't, more than any other sport I've ever seen. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that cuz I don't have it and I feel like I just don't think it's something that it's I'm meant to do. Right. The few times I've yeah. gotten on a skateboard, I'm like, no, nope, that's not my natural feel. I'd rather put on a glove, do other things, like mm-hmm. other sports that I feel super comfortable at. But, yeah, good. Well, the thing about that I always compare is like in, in uh, traditional sports, you can master fundamentals, right? And you can hustle. So mm-hmm. if you, there's some people who, they can get a, a college scholarship just by mastering fundamentals mm-hmm. and, and, and hustling. Yep. You know, some people even, if you're super tall, you could get in the NBA by just being an energy guy. Yeah, work right? ethic and things that go a long way. Right. And skateboarding has no fundamentals. And skateboarding is actually much more art than it is sport. And this might be a deeper conversation, but the, the reason I say that is skateboarding is all about style. Mm-hmm. It's how you look on the board, the way you catch the trick. And some finesse and the, yeah. Exactly. So when you do those things, you, you could um, do a number of different types of tricks and you could, uh, you could be able to do every trick in the book. And no matter how many tricks you can do, if they don't look good, they're not going to, n- nobody's going to take you seriously. There, there's a number of skaters who just don't naturally have good sc- style. They, they won't get any sponsors, et cetera. 
Also, um, like if it looks forced or too textbook, yeah, it's probably well, not what they're looking for. Yeah, when you look smooth, exactly. Mm -hmm. There's Shane O'Neill. Um, he's an Australian skateboarder. He's a guy who's um, probably best. You could argue best skater in the world. Um, you know, I said Nigel's my favorite, but I think Shane O'Neill be a close second. Just the best guy to watch on a board. Okay. Um, and and the other thing about it is skateboarding does have competitions, but skateboarding is not competitive by nature. It's expression. And so uh, the biggest thing in the skateboarding world is video parts. It's photography and putting a video part together. And okay. what that means is um, video parts are usually three to seven minutes. And these guys spend, it used to be years putting video parts together, traveling all over the world, filming at different spots. Now these guys are so good. And the way we consume content has changed. So it's about six months for a video part. Oh, wow. But um, yeah. For those reasons, um, the, for, for example, if you do a kickflip, which is you pop the board mm -hmm. in the air and it flips one time, um, the way I put my foot for a kickflip could be very different than the way somebody else does. And although physics determines how a skateboard would flip, mm -hmm. it could flip with the nose in the air or the tail in the air. Like the way you catch it with your back foot or both feet or however... Um, and it's all good. Anything goes. Is, it depends on how it looks and how you land it. Anything goes depending on how it looks. There's and no technical. Are there technical scores to when you're in a competition? That's the that's the most challenging thing about competitions is it's so subjective. Okay. So, but if, I mean, the technical pieces probably lie in if it's the you know if it's supposed to go 180 degrees or 360, whatever the different numbers are. Those things have to kind of check the box. I bet right to make it. To make that trick like count a or little something? bit, or is it all just? It's subjective. much more subjective okay. than even that. Okay. So the other thing too is some tricks are just easier for different skaters. So there's some tricks that are really hard that I can do very easily, and there's some tricks that are really easy for other people that are very hard for me to do, and I can't even do them at all. And so you could say, for me, if I did a a kick flip down a set of stairs versus a heel flip down a set of stairs. A heel flip's a lot harder for me to do. Well, how do you score those things, right? And compared to, you know, and, and there's all of these other things. Skateboarding's very political as mm. well. And so it, it creates a lot of challenges at the competitive level. I bet, yeah. Because there's no, I mean, I guess gymnasts may be the, the Right, that's what thing. I keep thinking of, yeah. But there's... As far as I know about it, I'm not an expert, but there's certain things that are kind of worth a certain amount, Oh, right? yeah. There's definite value to different tricks. Right. And, so and they have to be, certain pieces of the element have to be done, you know, like I said, a certain number of spins or flips or whatever, rotations, have to be done to get that value out of that trick. Yeah. So there's, um, yeah, it, you <laughs> it's also, not that. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's such a deep, convoluted conversation. Um, you'll even see somebody will do a trick maybe for the first time ever in competition, it scored really highly. And then they'll practice that trick. They'll master it for the next competition. The next competition, they're not scored as highly because they're like, oh, you're... Um, we saw you do that before. We saw you do that or, before. That's easy for you. Yeah. Where it shouldn't the be... wow factor. It shouldn't be it's easy for you. It should be that trick is worth X. Right. Right? Yeah. Is yeah. it going to... Is it... Is the sport evolving towards that at all? Or is it just sort of that's the way it's going to be? I mean, do you... I mean, not you don't know, but... Your best guess. Yeah, well, um, skateboarding will be in the Olympics this year for the first time. And that'll be just, a, I think, a bigger deal as far as judging goes. Mm -hmm. We've seen in, I, I remember uh, ice skating, there were, you know, mm -hmm. you know, judge 
controversies, right. conspiracies and stuff. And so... Yeah, being in the Olympics, it might force some consistencies. It's got to have yeah. some structure to it There's in order for there to be you know, outcomes that, that athletes are going to be okay with. Yeah, there's a consistent uh, uh, striving towards towards that. But it's just so difficult. Style, you know, it's one thing. If two guys do the same trick and one just does it and it just looks a lot better, that's one thing. Um, you know, is a frontside crooked grind scored higher than a kickflip backside lip slide? Which one's more technical, but the other one's more stylish? So it's... It's yeah. a mess <laughs> so, <laughs> to try to judge. One question. When I've seen, you know, guys, like you, you go do your run. Is that what it's called? You're going to do a run? Yep. Okay. Do you wing it or do you have it all choreographed in your mind and mapped out exactly what you're doing? Or does it, mm -hmm. whatever feels like if you just did a trick and you're going to try to compound something after that, do you have to change it if you're feeling something different under it's a, there? That's a great question. Um, what you do see from the best skaters is it's all mapped out. Uh, Nigel Houston is very well known for having his his run down to the second. Okay. So he's packing so many tricks in, but he's landing his final trick with just like a second to go. Um, it's super impressive. Um, and what you'll see him do, and this is a pretty good strategy for most skaters when they're doing runs, is you, you do a basic run, basic or kind of mid-level run, and then once you land that your next one, mm -hmm. you add one or two more technical tricks. Like the last trick will be harder or something. Because so, you've gotten, you've, you've landed the first few, you have some momentum. Right. And then it's a chance to take more risk maybe. Now you have other skaters like Evan Smith is a, uh, one of the most talented skaters in the world. And he's very creative. And so he completely wings it. He never wins any competitions, but he's often a fan favorite. Because he's going out there doing Exciting. crazy stuff. You never know what he's going to do. Um, Pushes himself maybe based on the guy that went before him. Exactly. Or the score. And That's he's cool, just yeah. a very, you know, he's not there to win. He's there to have fun. And a lot of skateboarding, too, is when I've managed skateboarding teams in the past. And, you know, when I had guys go to competition, I knew they wouldn't win. I'd say your job is to make it in the recap video. Mm. Right, your job is not to win the competition; it's to get a highlight trick. To be memorable. Be memorable. To be, yeah, to make so the people that go want to come back or come find seek you out the next time. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, I got ahead of myself here, but I want. I'm curious to know your path. Tell me about the path you took to get into, you know, being a skateboarder for a living. Because I'm sure there's. <coughs> I'm curious about the ages. Yeah. How that happens. How this. Like the sponsorships happen, that to me, that's what I think you mean when you say for a living. Um, yes. You mentioned com competition versus street skaters, so those kinds. Of, that's a lot in that question. But tell yeah. me, what did that look like getting into it for you then? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I credit a lot of it with timing, as far as where I lived, uh, the time in the industry as it was emerging, and all that. So as I said, I played all sports. Mm -hmm. Um, I skated a little bit when I was in second grade. I would skate to school and back, and I could never quite ollie up a curb. I wasn't very good. I was super small, you know? I mean, I don't know if anybody's good at skating in second grade. I definitely wasn't. But so I got into racing bikes, and so I was about to really, really get into it, and I got a C on my report card in fourth grade. As I mentioned, my, my mom is a teacher, and so he didn't go over well, I'm sure then. Not at all. And English, it was in English. English is my best subject. And I was, um, I was able to read a, ahead of my grade level 
Um, and so I was reading these massive books in class and not doing my homework. So victim of my own success mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But, and what's funny is that guy lived uh, literally two blocks from our house. So it's kind of, um, I haven't seen him in a long time, but, you know, when I was still going back to Central California, I would um, see him every once in a while. I was kind of like, hey, you know, you're kind of the, thanks for that C. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I started skating when I was 11. I found um, we had in a closet, had my old skateboard, pulled it out, and I started trying kickflips, which is, it's a basic trick, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit of a barometer of, how good you are, yeah, if, if you, you can, can do them, that. how often you can, how, how consistent you can be and stuff. And so um, I started trying kickflips and I started landing kickflips. I was like, oh my gosh, crazy. So and was there a gap though between with the second grade and the C in English? Did you stop? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you stopped. So I then stopped. when you picked it back up at 11, mm-hmm. you kind of instantly were, were better at it or good. Like yeah. Kickflips something, were coming. It, something clicked. Okay. I, I couldn't even explain it. Okay. And so... My brother, he's three years older than I am. We've been best friends our whole lives, done everything together. So we started skating together. And he, honestly, he had the passion and the love for it. And for me, it was just another sport. It was another activity. But I was naturally pretty good at it. And so after skating for a year or two, my brother was like, John's really good at skateboarding. Maybe he could get a sponsor, blah, blah, blah. And so I never got into it with the perspective of getting sponsored or doing anything with it. Um, nowadays, kids, you know, start with the goal to be sponsored because everybody's How sponsored. How young do kids nowadays get sponsors? Obviously, the sport has continued to grow since you were part of it. But like, yeah. so maybe you got yours when you were 13, 14, something like that. Is that 14, common? Yeah. I mean, is it common for even younger kids to have Yeah, nowadays, because it's, it's so much more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different levels of sponsorship that I can go into, but yeah, I think if you see, you see kids that could be maybe 11 or 12 or something like that, they could have their first sponsor. Um, I got my first sponsor when I was 14. Okay. And, um, but to backtrack a little bit about that is, um, when I was skating, nobody was sponsored that we knew there, there was a rumor that the best guy in our town got a free skateboard from somebody some, one time. Yeah. So that was a major difference was when it was like... What does that even sponsor? mean? Right. Exactly. Because there's a difference in sponsoring, giving you some shoes or gear or skateboard, right, versus money. Exactly. So what happened was I started skating, t- started taking it more seriously. We started filming. Um, there was a uh, skate park started to get built in my area. And uh, then skate shops started to pop up to meet the demand of the growing popularity of skateboarding. And uh, <clears throat> there was this one, actually, it's called Mainland uh, Surf Shop in Central California. And then there was this other brand new one called Onshore Board Shop. And so Onshore sponsored this, uh, this skateboarding uh, contest, and I ended up winning it. And so that was the second contest I skated. My first one... I skated incredibly well in the the warm-ups, and I got so nervous I didn't land. I landed one trick in my whole line, but I got second place because they saw how good I skated in warm-ups. Oh. <laughs> Carried over into the competition. Yeah, I That's feel bad funny. for the other kids. But so I skated really well in the second one. I won the contest, um, and I got, you know, gift cards for the <laughs> skate shop and everything. So I went there. I got to know them a little bit. Well, I had convinced myself that I wanted to skate for this shop mainland, 
I, and I became more of a fan, more of a mm -hmm. fan as I just started thinking about it. So I made my, uh, my skate video and, um, it was, uh, let's see, it was on a VHS tape mm. and I only made sure. one copy, which thinking back uh -oh. was you got to give smart. that to someone, right? Well, I went to this, the skate shop and I didn't really know the owners, but, um, I went and I, you know, I'm this little kid. They just never, they didn't see me skate. Like they probably don't have an idea that I'm any good. They just see this weird little kid walking in with his brother. And I said, hey, do you sponsor people? And they're like, maybe. And I was like, oh, I have my, my tape here. Will you watch it? And they said, they were kind of jerks, to be honest with you. And uh, they were, you know, I don't remember their names or anything, so I'm not hating on the skate shop. But those guys in particular just weren't nice to me that day. They didn't day. welcome you and say, yeah, yeah, pop it in. Let's watch it with you. Yeah, they were like, oh, if you leave it, maybe we can, the owner can watch it later. And I was like, but this is my only copy. Yeah. And they're Worked like. so hard for it. Yeah, they're like, well, you should have made more copies. They're like, you know what? Let's go down the street to Onshore. And I did. And the guy, that was where, you know, he knew me because I won his contest. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, let's watch it right now. Spots me in the spot. See, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Why not? If, you know. And I was can. actually, I was the very first sponsored skateboarder in that area. Um, there were some in Fresno, which is a bigger town. There were some guys over there. But I was, you know, 30 minutes an hour the other way. And so... Um, I was kind of the first guy to get sponsored. There was a lot of experimentation. Like, what does sponsorship mean? You know, what do I get? Start off with a, one free board a month and a discount on everything in the store. And then my family got half my discount or something like that. And then it grew and it kind of figured it out. And your first sponsor is your most difficult one. And then it kind of opens up. I bet, yeah. Because, and what's really helped me understand marketing and branding um, and influencer marketing is, is being a brand ambassador myself from age 14. And so, um, fortunately, I think I went further than I would have. I went further because I understood sponsorship than I would have just based on my talents. So I knew that Well, these... because the sport probably wasn't at a place where people were reaching out to you. Right. You have to go advocate and push yourself out there and yeah. show people who you are. And, and it's not just like that I'm a skateboarder. It's this is what I look like. This is my vibe. This is what I can, you know, who, mm -hmm. who people are that are paying attention to me and kind of connect the dots for the that brand and make sure it's a match, right? So you have to make sure the brand align or you're good for the brand and you have to go voice that and literally walk up to these people and ask for what you want. Yeah, and es essentially you, you have to understand that the brand makes more money as a result of giving you free stuff than if they don't give you free stuff. Right, and it's not just because you're cool that you get free stuff. <laughs> it's because you championship the you champion the brand, you represent them well. Mm -hmm. um, you're you're wearing and writing their stuff. Uh, anytime you have, you know, you're putting stickers and stuff everywhere. You're talking to people about it. You're just you're an ambassador for it. And so, um, my sponsors, you know, I think I got more sponsors because they I just naturally understood that, mm -hmm. and so I was a good a writer for them, a good ambassador for those programs. And so what happens, um, it's kind of funny, uh, skateboarding was influencer marketing before influencer before marketing. Before it was a, a, a thing right. that so, we say now. Exactly. So it's funny when I look back, I'm like, we've been doing this for years, yeah. you know? But Just there was no social to put it on. That's right. You know, there's no digital platform for it. it exactly. Was, it was just events on-site, hands-on events only, right? And then exactly. in the video component, like you talked about. Right. So essentially, a skater has a number of uh, sponsors, you have kind of a sponsor for each category. Um, a lot of these brands are owned by a broader umbrella company. So you'll see the same guys on 
a lot of the same brands mm-hmm. because the umbrella company kind of sponsors and gives them all their gear. Well, one of the things is that, um, what was it? Oh, that, that's what it was. Is your, your, you have your skateboard sponsor and then there's reps. There's local reps, mm-hmm. right? So the reps are, you know, tasked with selling gear in that area. So then the, the shop owner would talk to the, like the shoe reps and say, hey, I've got this guy. He's the best skater in town. Oh, so they if would If you help give him you. shoes, that can help you sell more of your shoes in my shop. Get more more sponsors. And that kind of opened up the floodgates. the shop. More revenue. More just... Right. More people in the door. Yeah, so cool. I, I was able to... So I was able to gain, you know, clothing sponsors, shoe sponsors, uh, skateboard, skateboard sponsors, etc. Um... I remember the first time, the first time I, a, a lot of what you get at that level is just free stuff. You mm-hmm. don't, you're not getting paid. And the first time I got paid, um, I think I was 17 years old. And, uh, this, there was a, a festival in town and this guy reached out to him in a skate shop. And he's like, Hey, I want to do a skateboard thing. Um, who would you recommend to be the skater? And so he recommended me, thankfully. So I called the guy and it's so funny. He, he's like, I got $175 and either you can bring <laughs> other guys you want to skate with you or it's all yours. And the worst case scenario in skateboarding is to do a demo by yourself. Oh, okay. And I've done, and for people who don't know what a skateboard demo is, um, essentially a team comes, you know, they're typically a lot better than everybody in the town, Locally, they're pros yeah. or whatever. To, to and, show off the skills and yeah. entertain a crowd. People just watch them skate. So you don't want to do that by yourself? And stuff. It's the you, worst you case You probably scenario. don't get downtime and it's all eyes on you. You don't get to like stop and think, I guess. So yes. you need partners to be like kind of trading off with you as you're doing tricks and things. Yeah. In fact, skateboarding, skating in a demo is even very different than actual skateboarding because it's a show. So if you know how to do it, I've, I've done them all over the country I was on a, a tour for six months straight at one time um, where we did demos every day. But it, it's a show. You have, you know, you, you do tricks. You know you can land within mm-hmm. three tries. You got this guy go, this, then this guy goes, then this guy goes. It's, it's enough to entertain people. When you have one guy go and it's a bunch of ramps or a skate park or something, yeah. um, number one, you better hope you're skating well that day. Number two, everybody's just thinking, why what can't else? I skate? Oh, like yeah. I'm standing here watching oh, this guy like skate. Oh, like this guy's taking up our skate park. Right, like why okay. can't we skate? Yeah. And then you've got <laughs> a couple haters who are like, I could do that. Right, you know? gotcha. So they, we set up all these ramps. We set up all these ramps and um, I I did a few tricks. I skated for like five minutes and then I grabbed the microphone and I said, hey, why doesn't everybody come skate with me? <laughs> <laughs> And so that worked out pretty well. But you got your pay. That was your first payday. Mm Mm-hmm. First payday. And then, you know, there were, you know, all all sorts of forms of payday Mm -hmm. from per diem to winning contests to free rent. Mm -hmm. You know, when I lived with the owner of a company in Orlando, Florida. Does it get to Um, a point where that's your 100%, that is your job? I, I had mean, that's short, all you're doing? Yeah, I had different short times um, throughout my career where that was 100% of my income. Um, there's, there's a major haves and have-nots in skateboarding. And there's also a very 
specific distinction between pro and not pro mm -hmm. or amateur. So there's there's three levels of sponsorship. There's flow, which means you're just getting flowed product from okay. company. There's am or amateur, okay, which means you're officially on a team. You're on the website. You travel with the team, et cetera. You get paid. And then there's pro, which means you have your own signature products. Oh, okay. And your let your status is determined by your skateboard sponsor, and then the other sponsors follow suit. So that's why I always phrase it because it's so much. It's so difficult to understand um, that I just always say I used to skateboard for a living because mm -hmm. people understand that. But versus people, the pro or what level? Because right. you pro do you probably go in and out of different levels. I bet. I mean, you can or yep. or once you have a pro. So you're saying pro is what did you say? It's Having your own main, signature products. Okay, having your own signature so you, products. So gotcha. your skateboard company gives you a skateboard with your name on it, okay. your own designs, and you start to get those. Like and your then line of Your own line of signature stuff. stuff. Okay. So I never had my own line of signature stuff. Um, I had a company that, just because I was with them for so long, and I also had a lot of on the business side, and you know, they said, hey, John, when you want a signature board, it's yours. But I was like, I don't deserve that. You know, like I'm not at the level of these other guys. And so it'd be, in my opinion, it's much better that people would want to bestow that on you and you turn it down than you have it and you don't deserve it. So Do it too early and then people maybe don't embrace it. Right. Or so there's, so it's funny because people outside of skateboarding would say, oh, you're, you were pro, you got paid to skate and you were able to make a living on it, whether it was a short time or whatever. People inside skateboarding would say, you weren't pro because you didn't have your own. Gotcha. So boards. yeah, I wouldn't have realized the distinction. So that's why I just say, yeah. I used to skateboard for a living. It's yeah. a lot easier. <laughs> it, but hey, it covers your bases and it's right. it's accurate, right? Yes. And true. Most importantly, yeah. What about now? I mean, you you live here in Frisco, by the yeah. way, and um, you have a family here. Yeah. So are you, do you still skateboard? And do you still skateboard like with sponsors? And is this still part, your big part of your life? It's not your full-time job. I know yeah. we're going to talk about that a whole mm -hmm. another time, but... um. What does skateboarding look like with you now? Yeah, so skateboarding now, I skate about once a week because um, that's what my body can handle. <laughs> and that's also what my schedule can handle. You know, I, I do a lot of business stuff. I'm director of business development for PRG, which is the largest entertainment production company in the world. I'm the president of the Sports Trade Association. I'm on boards for Dallas Influencers and Sports and Entertainment, State Adventures, and UNT's Sports and Entertainment. NBA. Yeah, so you've got so a schedule. Could, you've got I, a lot going on. <laughs> I'm doing, no time for skateboarding every day. That's right. And so um, I try to skate once a day. I'm, I love the Frisco Park. Once There's, a week or once or, a day? Sorry, once, once a week. A, okay. Once a week, yeah. Here in town at the that. Yeah, it's Northeast Community Park. Yep. There's, there's good ones all over um, the DFW area. Um, I have a company called Ambassador Skateboards, who I've skated for them for 10 years. Um, every once in a while, I'll ask the owner, Am I still technically sponsored? And he's like, yeah, of course <laughs> you are. But, you know, I'll have free boards from those guys kind of for life sort of a thing. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like... The relationships you've built obviously mm -hmm. are what made it possible for you to continue doing this this long. Even from Big the beginning. Time. Just yeah. the relationship. I mean, the example you gave of the two skate shops in California, the relationship you had with one not knowing why you were building it right. is what turned it into a, a deal for you. Yeah, so with relationships, so, I mean, you know, business is relationship-based. Um, you work with who you like to work with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always, I always tell people, uh, 
a lot of business comes down to, are you cool to hang out with? <laughs> you know, which is if you and I are trapped in a room for two days because we got a crazy project deadline we need to meet, um, can we stand each other? Right. If you're funny, that's a bonus. <laughs> um, but more importantly, if, you know, if things go south in a deal or we have a conflict, can we work together to develop a solution between us or are you going to fly off the handle and cuss me out and right. all this craziness? And so, you know, everything's relationship-based, including skateboarding. And, um, you know, I'm very blessed to have had, like I said, I understood sponsorship. And so developing the deals, you know, the, the relationships with my reps. And there was yeah. one time I, I skated for Globe Skate or Globe Shoes, excuse me. Uh, I skated for them for five years. And um, there was one point where the rep dropped everybody off the team except for me. And he said, John, you know, some people just think they're cool enough to get shoes. <laughs> and, and that's enough for them. That's all they think they may have to be is just cool enough to get their shoes. That's what right. What were you doing different? What I was doing different was I was an ambassador for the brand. So I was I was doing a lot of demos. I was going on tours. I was doing contests. I was regularly, I think this was after um, Facebook had started. So mm-hmm. I was regularly posting like, you know, people were buying Globe shoes because I was You were doing the work. Them. You were putting in the work, yeah. Exactly. And I'm 100% convinced that you know, at least some of those guys were a lot better at skateboarding than I was. But it doesn't always come down to talent. It doesn't. I mean, we see that with professional sports um, spokespeople and brands all the time. Mm-hmm. The ones we see on TV aren't always, I mean, we probably think they're some of the best players, but they might not be. They just might be the right personality or mm-hmm. have the following or whatever it is that that brand even their backstory or where they're from. I mean, it, there's so mm-hmm. many factors that go into why a brand wants somebody to be their voice, way beyond the talent on the field or the well, court or whatever. And in addition, it, a lot of it has to do with opportunities too, right? Because yeah. you can you can be um, very talented, but you also have to have opportunities to be able to take advantage of those, and then people have to want you to be around, right? So... I'm sure there's guys who have been tremendous talents in football, baseball, basketball, et cetera, who didn't get opportunities or didn't take advantage of opportunities because they didn't have the other parts of it filled out, mm-hmm. right? Whether it was personality, whether it was easy to work with, whether it was understanding the business side where, okay, you know, I'm getting to know everybody in the locker room. I mean, I'm getting to know the guys who are the security guys. Right, and, right, right. You know, you, um, I think you've seen, you know, in the recent past, there's, there's been a number of players towards the end of their career and they've had to retire early or they can't find a team, right? Because they're not getting along with people and they've relied on their talent for so long. But guess what? That only works when you're the best in the world. Right. And you're not the best in the world for that Forever. long. No. And then people are also waiting to be able to get rid of you because uh-huh. you can get a lot away with a lot when you're winning. When you're winning, yeah. And when you stop winning, and like it's like we don't have to put up with that crap. Yeah, we did before. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, you can probably credit your older brother to helping you get your your push, your start with some of those relationships and sponsors too. Big I'm, time. Yeah. Well, he had a driver's license, uh-huh. you know, and he was filming me, um, and he often. Um, you know, I pro- it, it's possible I would have quit skateboarding um, if it wasn't for him. But with- you mentioned he had the passion. He so did. if you had the natural talent for it at that time, mm-hmm. the two of you combined is what probably made you a good team. 
you're to go get all right. that done. Exactly. Well, it's fascinating. I know there's so much more to talk about, and I am. We're gonna we're actually gonna continue the conversation. I want to jump into the esports side of your business background um, on another episode. But for now, we will we'll we'll wrap this one up, and we'll link to some of those things you mentioned in the show notes. So thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Hustle and Pro. Subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.